That's called legalized plagiarism. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Welcome back to the Interview Podcast on the YMO Bank Podcast Network in Millbank, South Dakota. I'm Craig Weinberg, um, and it is still 2021. We just started, um, and this year we have determined, uh, the first episode of this year uh, was a, uh, a treat of mine to, uh, to get to interview one of my, uh, the people I look up to in the industry that I work in, uh, and it was just a joy. So if you have a chance, go check that episode out uh, with Joel Grimes. Um, but today, the second episode of 2021 is also a doozy. <laughs> and my friend Should Paul be Denna, a complete letdown. <laughs> my friend Paul Denna is here, um, uh, who is a doctor and uh, but a friend of mine, and so that that's what we call each other. <laughs> Just despite that, you're still despite my friend. Despite that, exactly. Yes. yes. Um, t- today is a momentous day. Today is January 6th. Which, in any other year, would mean nothing. In the year of 2021, it means something. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. That's putting it mildly. Absolutely. Uh, we have seen, and we've been in the studio for a while chatting, um, uh, we have seen quite the spectacle, is probably the best way to put it. That's a great uh, word. Going on in Washington, D.C., the not state capital of our country. Uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser announced on Wednesday afternoon that she was instituting a citywide curfew for the entire city at 6 o'clock in response to Trump supporters who, this is from an article written uh, by the Daily Wire, Trump supporters who stormed the Capitol building, which forced an evacuation while forcing others to shelter in place. There also appears to be an armed standoff inside one of the chambers, um, and I don't know, I think that was early on. Um, now, <clears throat> you've been around for longer than me. <laughs> I'll just be That's kind. a very kind way to put it. <laughs> um, what do you make of what's going on in our political world right now? And I only say that, I mean, this is, this show goes wherever we want, but this is happening as we speak. Sure. What do you make of it? Uh... Well, first of all, when I heard the news initially, uh, I just felt sick. Mm. You know, like, how did we get here? And I've been thinking about it and trying to figure out, well, how do I feel about this? And what does this mean? And what does this mean for my children? And I think that this is um, pretty representative of a, a breakdown in society. And we've devolved. Caused into, by what? Well, I think... Uh, I think we've we've hammered uh, and disfigured and eliminated so many of our social moorings that we are now adrift, and this is what happens. You follow the current and end up where you don't want to be. Mm. And, you know, you can point to several things that uh, we've just been whittling away at, um, thinking there's no consequence, and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. This is a huge consequence, and... I don't know. I I've, I also uh, find it really fascinating that all of a sudden we have um, politicians and uh, career political operatives that are bemoaning any kind of strife or uh, protesting now, but but we're didn't 
earlier last year. Oh, completely silent or actually just supportive. Mm. And so, uh, and, and so I reject that. And I also reject anybody that supports violence of any stripe, whether it agrees with my politics or not. I, I just wholly reject mm -hmm. violence. Yeah. It, it's, that's not the way that a representative uh, republic is supposed to operate. <clears throat> Do you think that this is a result of something bigger? Like, have I mean, have we gone down the road? And I'm thinking of the last several years, and and primarily 2020. I mean, 2020 was that was a weird year, unique. <laughs> um, I mean, I was born in '79, so I, I mean, I'm not old, but I've been a few through a few decades. You're catching up. Uh, <laughs> not near as old as you. Thank but you. I Thank digress. you for that reminder. Um, and I don't recall a time in my life that I can remember that the country was so almost militantly divided. We've never seen anything like this in our lifetimes. My father has never seen anything like mm. this in his lifetime. He's 89. Mm. So he's... I got you by 10 years. My dad's got you by a few more. Mm -hmm. And no, we haven't seen this. And we're in un uncharted territory. And just, I mean, just off the top of your head, what in the world is the cause? Well, um, we know that society um, runs off of a culture. Mm -hmm. A culture, by definition, is the way we interact with people and the way we do business. That's... You know, we have cultural norms and customs that are basically the rules of how we operate. And when you deviate from those, um, you create chaos. And now are all cultural moorings, are all cultural customs and everything, are they pure as the wind-driven snow and helpful? No. And so each one can be evaluated and could there be a better way? Well, sure. But when you just completely abandon them and um, militantly destroy them, mm -hmm. uh, that creates a vacuum. And nature abhors a vacuum. And I think this is the implosion of our society that we're seeing. What impact do you think the, the COVID-19 um, uh, response has, has had on civil society? In, well, around the world, but in America specifically. Sure. Well, I think that, um, you know, pretty much interrupting the way society works mm -hmm. for the better part of, what, nine months now? Going on 10 months. 10 or 11, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you, you know, well, we know that the anxiety has gone up, depression has gotten worse, suicide rates have gone up, um, people abuse. are losing their jobs. Oh, yeah, child abuse mm -hmm. is going up. Uh, unemployment is, well, we've never seen this before. And when you keep pushing and pushing and increasing the pressure on people, everybody has a breaking point. So do you think that the, the response, I mean, you, you are in, in the field, so you understand, um, or you see it from different, a different perspective than uh, sure. just the, the standard person on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, do you feel that the response as a country has been um, proper. <laughs> I like the way you put that. <laughs> so let me just, first of all, um, um, 
clarify that I do not speak for the organization I work for. Correct. I, I have um, no spokesmanship at all. Um, anything I say is my own personal opinion. Um, and, and and I I mean we're friends, and that's yep. why we're doing this. I yep. have no. I, I'm not at all trying to to no, get the I'm company saying, line. So I'm yes. just saying that um, you know don't hold the the organization I I work for. Mm-hmm. You know, don't hold them to my words because I I don't even purport to speak for them. Yeah. I'm just I'm just speaking for me. Um, I think that uh, now that we can look back, I think there was a lot of mistakes made. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of them were uh, mistakes that were made in good faith. I think there were some mistakes that uh, had ulterior motives behind them. Um, I but I I also feel like. Uh, the more we learn about the vaccine, the better our response is getting. And that's just kind of par for the course. The more information you have, the better decisions you make. But I also think that there are some political motives behind some of the responses. And you're, when you have non-clinicians um, under the flag of medical science making decisions and purporting to... Um, just be following the science is the typical line. Um, uh, that's just not true. Well, and and it's it's frustrating from my you know from my perspective, be not being in the in the medical world at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of a political analyst, which is really fun fun to say. But I I like I'm a political junkie mm-hmm. um, in my spare time, and it's fascinating that you can have people in the same position from state to state that are claiming, using the same words and the same words of data and science. Mm-hmm. And the next thing out of their mouth is opposite from the other. Right. Which, in my mind, to the, I, I, I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist, not a brain surgeon, um, cannot be true. One of them is wrong or they're both wrong. They can't both be right. Well, <laughs> that depends on which group you're talking to. Well, but that's what I mean. So, for, but from a practical perspective, for someone to say science and data says you have to um, stay in your house and you can't go outside, the other person says science and data says you can go out of your house and you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. What's science and data? <laughs> well, you know, when everybody, well, it's kind of like religion. You know, if we're going to get controversial, let's get controversial. <laughs> uh, do you have any idea how many recognize? Um, just Christian sects of the uh, Christian faith there are? A lot. Over 3,000. Hmm. Well, which one is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, if you ever want to have a, a heated contest. Might bring those together. Bring that together. Yeah. Um, uh, so you're going to have medical opinion. Yeah. And then you're going to have a well-researched, well-documented fact. Um. Sometimes people's opinion is taken as fact, and sometimes people um, purport to have data um, and kind of over overrepresent it. Um, for example, uh, if you have somebody that comes out and they make a blanket claim that, uh, and they use the language of always or never, mm-hmm. I can tell you that's almost always or almost <laughs> never right, because. <laughs> It's too absolute. <laughs> Wait, are you absolutely sure? I'm absolutely sure of that one. 
it's just because um, uh, the scientific discovery process is um, gradual and messy and uh, requires a great deal of revisiting and relearning as you get new information. It requires a great deal of humility mm-hmm. to be able to say, uh, you know, ask yourself, was I wrong about my assumption or can I can I prove this? Can I reproduce the data? And if I can't, I have to reject it. Why can't the, the and I'm primarily speaking of politicians at this point, why can't they say, you know what? We don't know what we're doing, but here's our best guess at the moment. I don't know. Why is that hard? <laughs> I, don't, I know there's a little bit of irony in me saying that, but <laughs> I, I don't know why they can't other than uh, I think that the political world we operate in um, anything you say is a potential um, potential ammunition for your opposition. So, so then, are, I mean, in that vein, then, do you, are you assumed to be an idiot and just don't know? You're just clueless if you can right. make that claim? Well, yeah, they, people love to say, oh, see, he doesn't know. And now, um, just because you didn't know this one particular fact mm-hmm. or you didn't want to weigh in on it because you don't have the data to back it up, mm-hmm. uh, well, then now you don't know anything. Right. So... I, if we have a polite society and uh, a society that is humble, uh, it's really easy to do all this stuff. <laughs> right. We do not. And that is thank you to Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and Jack Dorsey. Um, are we going to look back at the, on 2020? And, I, and I'm pretty confident 21 and part of 22, if not all of 22. Um, I, I, I just can't see um much changing in 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 the in the response now there's right. going to be stuff changing in the treatment in how you handle how medicine works but i just can't see much changing in the response from the political side um for um, a while and I, are we going to look back on this and go hmm that was a mistake well 20 years from now sure in the next few years it depends on who you ask because uh, when you look back uh, politically, um, you have to have a certain amount of time to properly assess it. Mm-hmm. You know, people come out and say, who's the best president? And they include a president that's currently serving. We can't do that yet because you don't have enough information. You need to get gather right. more data. Yeah. Um, and then it's also the question of, well, according to who was it a good idea? Uh, some people have a very... Uh, specific political agenda that is in direct opposition to uh, another group. So one's success is the other's failure. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've devolved to. We've lost our common ground. And that's why uh, things are so heated now. Why? Or how? How? How do we lose that? Well, I mean, we used to be able to agree on simple things. Um, We used to be able to agree on the English language. (laughs) You mean what words mean? Yeah, what words mean? Like, um, he's a boy, or she's a girl, or that's marriage, or uh, a whole host of things that now uh, we've upended, and we've, uh, to to coin uh, or to repeat a phrase that I've heard often by a a well-published author, we've replaced our facts with our feelings, Mm. and that just doesn't work. Um, and I think part of it is this um, 
this uh, movement to be offended, uh, looking for offense, and looking for an axe to grind to make somebody conform so that you feel comfortable. But if you do that for everyone, don't you run into a problem of just, is that schizophrenic? It is. You're just wandering in circles. It's very schizophrenic. Well, you know, you look at identity politics, Mm -hmm. uh, and and that one I feel pretty strongly about. Uh, Whenever you try to break groups down and pit them against each other, Mm -hmm. that goes directly against what the entire founding of our nation was built on. If you can, and and it works really effectively, um, if you're trying to gain political power. Mm-hmm. But if if you're looking to say, okay, all the all the bald guys, yay, <laughs> yay, a group of two of us, <laughs> uh, all the bald guys, uh, they uh, they get special rights. Well, you've already created a rift. Mm-hmm. And then if you say, well this group gets special preference or this group gets to be offended or the worst part, you have to do this now because this group feels a certain way. Um, That's when you're getting into very dangerous water. So is that, um, does that go down the, the uh, road of reparations a little bit? Um, I would say, you know, the short answer, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, since we're <laughs> since and, we're just diving in, well, and 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 it, and is there a responsibility from, like, uh, by the United States, mm-hmm. um, to pay back the wrong that was done? I, is there a responsibility to do that? Uh, I think there was. And if so, what does that look like? Well, I think there was at the time. Um, you know, what was done um, in the name of the United States in certain circumstances was reprehensible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think that the United States as a nation, um, we tore ourselves apart to try to settle that somehow. Um and I think that what happened after the Civil War um, in some ways was almost worse because it became more subtle and it became um, more institutionalized mm. and harder to get rid of. Um, but my problem with that now is, okay, there is nobody alive today in the United States that had to endure that awful institution of slavery the way that it was constituted then. There's nobody that can make that claim. In fact, there's nobody that could really make that claim that they were the child of that. So who do you represent? Who do you compensate? Do you, do you actually trace everybody down and, and go by the individual or do you go by skin color? Well, there is, there is a, a a group. I I don't even want to put a group name on them, but, that they go by the the moniker, I guess, of a a de- descendant of right. slavery, okay. and, and and so th- there is direct, like they have direct lineage right. to slaves, and that in in my mind that could be traceable. 
uh, but, but, gets but, pretty problematic. Perhaps. And but then I mean, where does it go? I see. I don't even know where that goes. And then you, I mean, not thinking solely about the the African American slaveries, the slaves, mm-hmm. but then the Native Americans. Right. You know. Then then you have a whole. That's a whole another right ball of. Uh, mm-hmm. Not wax, can of worms. Because, because I mean, how, what do you do with that? We're so far down the road. Right. We are we are down the road. And does that, can you put a price on that? I mean, do you heal the wound that was created? Do you, do you atone for it with a check? Well, okay. Now, I, I, I'm not going to claim or try to correlate the two 100%, but I'm going to do a little bit. And so I apologize if this is inaccurate, but okay. Congress just put a price on the potential destruction of the American economy. Okay. By a $600 check. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> and the, and um, the incoming president campaigned two days ago in Georgia for the Georgia and today, today is the sixth uh, that we're recording this. Um, on the 4th, he campaigned the day before that special election for two Senate seats that if both of his party candidates win, there will be $2,000 stimulus checks sent out right away. So what, 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 that, what, what, what that side did, and they apparently are having all three parties and all three ha- uh, full power in in Congress after today. Um, they promised cash mm-hmm. for votes. Mm-hmm. And they said, vote for us, we'll give you cash. Yep. That seems like a problem <laughs> in a free society. Well, it is, uh, but it's they've been doing that for Oh yeah, they just don't decades. call it they're not that brazen. Well, it's yeah, now it's getting very brazen, but that whole It used to be a, we'll get that bridge made in your town, it's fine. <laughs> well, <laughs> once we've figured out and this is one of the things that the founding fathers really worried about. Once you figure out that a certain group of people can vote to get other people's stuff or themselves stuff, but to get it from other people. Oh, oh yeah, 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 to take. Yes. Then uh, then the whole experiment mm-hmm. starts falling apart mm-hmm. because I mean, if I if I walk up to you and I say, "Give me all your money," uh, if I'm caught, I'll go to jail. But if a bunch of people do it and they sign it and just hand you a stick-up note in the form of a law, well, that's legal. So that's that's the problem. Yeah. And I, I know that that's kind of mm-hmm. a controversial point of view, but I mean, we've gotten to the point where we feel like we're owed a lot mm. instead of we feel, uh, instead of feeling gratitude for where we grew up mm. and for w- what we have, we feel entitlement. And when you, when you have that, then that's when you run into uh, society not operating correctly. Mm. So, what has social media done in all of this? Uh, what role has it played? I think that it has provided a um, an opportunity, uh, you know, because we had no social 
uh, moorings uh, to cover an online presence and social mm. media. Mm -hmm. So we were developing as we went. Um, but you look at how societies evolved. Um, a lot of our um, societal norms are based on um, manners and being, you know, polite because you used to be able to get punched in the face or worse. And so we've developed this um, way of operating so that we can show respect to one another. And, um, you know, manners are the lubricant of society and they make things work. Well, you throw all that out the window and you start flaming each other on social media. Because you, there's no repercussion. There's no repercussions at all. You know, you could be, um, and, you know, they've attempted to try to make it so that you can't be anonymous. But, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. people, there's, it's super uh -huh. easy to get around. And there's no, um, there's no individual punishment other than you may get blocked on Facebook for a few days. Um, well, but they muddied that. Right, but you'll get removed from Facebook right. if you go against certain um, right. groupthink. But the, right. So, but what they did is they said, uh, under the guise of trying to clean up social media, we're going to go ahead and punish people that don't follow our rules, mm. not society's rules, mm -hmm. our rules. And I think that's where the breakdown really sped up. It, is that appropriate? I mean, in the, in the sense that um, these companies are privately held. Well, are they? Well, they're oh, they're they're, they're not government agencies. They're, that's they're, for sure. They're public publicly traded, but private. private entities. Right. Um, if that were a hundred percent true, they can do whatever they want. I have no problem with that. But it's not a hundred percent true. Explain that. Well, they are afforded certain concessions and protections because. Uh, they make the assertion that well we're not a publisher. Oh yeah, section two thirty. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're not a we're not a publisher, so therefore we're not liable for our content. Okay, if you're well, not the content of the people on their platform, right? Correct. Yes. So if that's true, <laughs> then why do you get to yeah. determine and, what goes on there? Right. So you can't have it both mm -hmm. ways. So and there's also some tax protections that are afforded. That you know, why do they get that special carve out? You know, talk about. Um, certain industries getting uh, tax benefits or corporate welfare or whatever you want to call it. I think it's a pretty good example of that. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's no consequence for them either. Well, and that's something that was attempted, attempting to be uh, remedied perhaps um, just in the last week or so in Congress. Right. Um, to re redefine what that, Section 230 meant to online right. um, and forums like that. And how many read that? Exactly. <laughs> well, no one did because they didn't let it go through. Right. But, <clears throat> like, um, you know, we've, we've just kind of devolved into this. Um, uh, we've devolved into tribes. Mm -hmm. And as long as your tribe is kind of on board with what my tribe is saying, then we're 100% behind it. Is that, by definition, bad? Yes. Tribalism. Tribalism in the, in the sense that uh, there's no personal accountability and there's no personal rights. When you devolve and remove the personal rights, um, then you're right back to feudalism or monarchism or, or whatever lesser form of government we had before the United States was created. That was the genius 
of creating the United States the way we did with the Constitution that we had, that we finally settled on, was that we um, made it very clear that we're not saying what the government is demanding of the individual. We're saying this is the limitations that the government has on the individual's inherent rights. And we are we're deviating away from that. Well, the theory was uh, any of the restrictions were on what government was allowed to do. And if it wasn't enumerated right. in that, it was then right. the state's responsibility. Right. But even but, then, but, but by default, it was assumed that the right belonged to the citizen first. Right. Absolutely. Right. And anything that the any power that the government derived was by uh, consent. The consent of the <laughs> yeah. of the people to concede a certain amount of power for that. Mm-hmm. And what we've done now is we've switched from negative rights to positive rights. And that's where we're really running into trouble. It used to be the negative right was um, you don't have the right to walk into my home Mm -hmm. and seize my property or my person or my effects. You don't have the right to do that. That's a negative right. I am protected from the government uh, inflicting upon me something. A positive right is the scariest right, and the reason why we're not a democracy but a constitutional republic. Positive right means I can compel you mm. to do something against your will, against my will, and so you can you can inflict your will and override other people's rights. For example, um, there were some speech laws that were passed in Canada, mm-hmm. and those speech laws said. If someone uh, makes it known that they want to be addressed in a certain way, they want their pronouns in a certain way, and you don't do that, then that's a crime. Hmm. And so that becomes, in essence, uh, all these uh, dystopian stories that we've bandied about for years. (laughs) Oh, that's just fiction. Right. 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 Well, there it is. Mm -hmm. When you can compel somebody to speak a certain way, to take a certain stand, even though they don't personally agree with it, um, you've compelled speech, so you took what used to be a negative right and turned it into a positive right. Instead of the government is now limited on what it can uh, do to your ability to have freedom of speech, now the government can compel you. To actually to say actually, words. Right. And, and, and I think that's the biggest part of this. Yeah. Is, it's one thing... And I, I, you know, I, I guess I don't think the government should ever be able to say you aren't allowed to say that. But it's a whole different story Absolutely. to say you must say this. Right. This is not freedom. Right. And and that's, you know, it's couched under very, um, very colorful language, you know, very PC language, very um, always compassionate sounding language. Uh, but it, it's it's one of the most vicious forms of society you could ever inflict upon somebody mm-hmm. or or de-evolution of society. Uh, when when groups of people can band together and uh, limit or take away things from other groups of people, that's fascism. Hmm. And that's frightening. I mean, we fought a world war over that. And um, when people... When politics, and I don't care what what your team is called, uh, and I've, I've kind of stayed away from 
naming out teams. political parties, teams. <laughs> I don't care what your jersey yeah. says. Yep. If your Washington team, football team. Yes. <laughs> Which I think name. is fantastic in the face of it all. Right. You know what? We should all just be the baseball team. <laughs> the, baseball. the football. That's great. Yeah. So uh, I think where that uh, where that affects where we're at, here we are, um, two dads sitting down. Um, thinking about what does this hold mm-hmm. for the future of ourselves and our kids, um, we look at how our society has devolved, and now we are seeing something that we would be shocked to see on TV from another country, and now it's in our own country. Mm-hmm. And you know, you could argue on whether or not it's warranted or or whatever it is, but we have devolved in society to the point where that's a thing now. And, you know, I, I think, unfortunately, this is the consequence of, um, of probably inaction by, by, by the majority of just, you know what, right. it's fine. Right. I, I, I read a little anecdote the other day that said um, this dog was chained up and every day they moved it one link closer right. to the tie. And by the time that dog got to the tie, it was comfortable yep. not being able to move. Yeah. Because it was so gradual. It's like boiling a frog. Yeah. You put it in cold water and turn the heat on. It warm, warms up. It's not that big of a deal. So, Well, it's, um, it, it's a concept in psychology, and it's called learned helplessness. Mm. And you just get put in these parameters. You know, like they've, it was a, you know, Dr. Pavlov, he did all kinds of crazy experiments. He's very famous for doing his Pavlovian response with Pavlov's dogs. But he also... Um, did some of those very same experiments where he would limit um, the mobility of an animal uh, either by a cage or a leash or whatever and then take it away and they were still chained down mentally. Mm-hmm. And I I see a lot of correlations with what's happened in society. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I don't think that... I agree with you. There's been a lot of inaction, a lot of... Um, people just being kind of, well, I don't like politics. I don't want to get involved. Or uh, I couldn't be bothered with that. And that blasé attitude allows people who are very motivated to kind of take over and get their way. So you do have to stand up for what you believe in and and not just accept that, okay, this is just the way it is. <coughs> It's a crazy time. <laughs> and at the same time, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of really cool things on the horizon. But one of the things that came out of this lockdown, um, which, I mean, that's really globally what it was, mm-hmm. um, was the, the ubiquity of face-to-face interaction over the mobile devices we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know some people that now when they make a phone call, it is just by default a FaceTime call. Right. Which it is a weird way to do communication, but it's better than just a phone call it because is. then you have that visual response, yep. which is something we never would have even considered as a group right? Um, prior to, to having to. We, we've had to innovate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pressure always leads to innovation. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a positive, absolutely. Um, it's improved medicine. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, now I have options that just weren't available before. Mm-hmm. If I've got somebody that I'm worried about, um, now I've got the technology to securely speak with somebody about very private issues and, um, and they can do it in the privacy of their own home. Yeah. That's great. That is very cool. Yep. I don't know if, I don't know how much you remember when the AIDS crisis started. I was young. <laughs> you were very young. <laughs> Let's see, you would have been, what, two? Was that the 80? <laughs> yeah. 81? Yeah, it was pretty early on. I remember as a kid, um, when we'd go into the doctor's office, nobody wore gloves. Nobody wore masks. Uh, when they drew blood, nobody had gloves on. Really? And then, no, no, that was just not a thing. And when the HIV crisis came about, um, there was a lot of uh, consternation of how do we handle this? We don't know if somebody has it. And so that's where the concept was, uh, was born of universal precautions. Mm-hmm. Well, we use those all the time now. Nobody bats an eye. And healthcare has improved because of that. And so there's certain things that we're going to see in healthcare that, you know, we changed the way we did things because we had to, but maybe this is a better way now. And, uh, and you know, that goes into the technologies that are being used and, and just asking the question, which is probably the most important part of, is what we're doing working or is there, or is there a better way? Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, we always kind of settle into what's comfortable and just go with, well, what have we always done? Right. Um, maybe not understanding sometimes why we did it that way. Maybe it was just because <laughs> historically that's just the way we did it. Right. And we haven't thought of a better way. <laughs> um, do you think we will uh, look back and... You know, because one of the things that, that was stopped um, right away in the medical world, in, in the, the lockdowns in that scenario, was edicts, even by our governor in South Dakota, um, uh, an executive order that um, directed hospitals to stop all elective surgeries. Right. And um, essentially what that did is it turned people away from going to the doctor for routine things. Um, that's where a lot of stuff gets found. This is true. And so are we going to see in five, 10 years, um, a huge, a bigger influx of repercussion from things that weren't found in 2020 strictly because, um, they were, they were scared to go. Mm -hmm. They weren't allowed to go to get checked out. Um, or whatever reason. But so primarily those. Are, are we going to see that spike up as we get farther? You're, you're in, in essence, asking what's the ripple effect? Totally. Yes, that's exactly right. <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> I'm very curious, and this is a It's pretty, kind of a terrifying thought, though. Pretty hot topic, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I can tell you that I've, I've had discussions with my colleagues about this very really? thing. Um, not only the, the short-term ramifications, like- uh, somebody has some chest pain mm-hmm. and maybe they should have had a cardiac stress test or even right. a catheterization and they didn't, well, then it progressed and then they had a heart attack mm-hmm. and died. You know, did that happen? Well, it's hard to study. Right. It's hard to prove you, that. But it makes you wonder, Is did mm-hmm. that happen? Um, as we move on, 
get further down the road, we're going to be able to quantify that a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but as far as the ripple effect, how far does this go? I have no idea. <laughs> hmm. I'm, I am excited to see what that looks like. Um, but, but a little bit terrified too, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to see, hmm. but it'll be, hopefully we will learn along the way and we can modify our behavior and our choices so that we're, we're making smarter choices as we go. You know, there's also a positive benefit that may come out of this. Um, with a lot of restaurants being shut down, it's possible that people will have eaten healthier. <laughs> You'd think that maybe. You? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would, could be a good. I heard, <laughs> I heard, or a not. Guy, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I have no evidence that any of his so-called data is accurate. But he was, he took ramen sales. Oh, and he's he he says that America's America's eating healthy, less healthy because of the pandemic, because we just went with easy foods. Well, okay, and cheap, and that's cheap. the other thing. When your livelihood gets taken right. away and you don't have money now, yeah. And I'll tell you what, a nice little six hundred dollar check from the government <laughs> is an insult. <laughs> I mean, at best. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't propose that I have every political solution <laughs> and I would make the best call. And if I did, I'd probably run for office, but I'll never do that <laughs> because I just couldn't do that. But I do think that um, there's some pretty simple uh, concepts that we've ignored. Um, one of them is if you do centralized planning, it requires a great amount of control and force. And there's not a lot of, creativity and adaptability mm. in any operation that uses that. If you have an organization or a society or, or anything where it's decentralized, where decisions can be made at a local level or an individual level, the creativity is much better. The adaptability is much better. The speed is much better. And I just, that's the only thing that I could really weigh in on is Instead of having a national response, uh, I think it should have been uh, a local response in every sense of the word. Now, some would say it was in in that the governors in, enacted a lot of things, but a lot of them worked together. Right. Like I, I know I've got family on the West Coast, and those three governors um, apparently right. worked in lockstep so that that entire corridor could right. be Well, I think part close. of it was because... They got tired of everybody moving out. <laughs> so I, I, I talked to a guy earlier well, in Arizona. I said, everybody moving there right now, and there's a ton of them, are coming from California. Yeah. Well, Southern California, um, I just read an, an article. Um, and, and again, this is um, the media reporting, so you have to use a jaundiced high because they're terrible at this. <laughs> Come on. But they Truth. they were interviewing an EMT, and he was instructed that when they go out on a call, if they don't think that the pa the patient um, is viable, in essence, mm -hmm. to, to not bring him to the hospital. And if they require a lot of oxygen, to not bring him in because we just don't have enough oxygen. Now, is that true? I have no idea. It sure sounds like it could be in the wake of everything else we've well, heard. I do know that their numbers are 
astronomical. And they did a full-on lockdown, uh, well, except for the governor. But, I mean, they did a full-on lockdown. And There's it's nothing not- wrong with the French laundry. <laughs> I'm actually eating there. It's, Have you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's the most expensive place to be in the world. Yeah, I didn't pay for it. <laughs> was it good? It was really good. Man. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> the um, the response, where's the evidence at work? Mm-hmm. And that's where I, you know, when you have a, a, a governor of a very large state making a blanket decision for every single person. 30-some million people, right. It doesn't work. It never has worked. Um. And I, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to endorse any candidate, but um, there was a, a very wise man back in the 1800s. Um, he was the, he was the mayor of Illinois, uh, or of Nauvoo, Illinois. And somebody came out and they were touring and they said, there's no police force or jail or anything. And he said, I teach the people correct principles and let them govern themselves. Kind of a wild concept, and so if you if you put out accurate data, mm-hmm. and you educate the public, and teach them, okay, this is what you got to do. They're go- in their own self interest. They're going to do the right thing. But if you muddy the message, if you have conflicting statements, you create distrust and fear. Then people have a hard time making the right decision. Yeah, but but some would say that's 1984 where you get your message from the telescreens every morning and you put on your your uh, uniform and right. stand in this line to get your food. Right. And that's why I say don't make it centralized. Don't don't make the the federal government the arbiter of everything. But but how how do you do that? If the goal is to get out, we want the right data out. Mm-hmm. Um first off, is it possible and to find the right data and then sure. to get it to everyone and then to have everyone say the same thing. Because that's really one of the problems we saw in the, the rollout of this yeah. this COVID-19 product. Was, but we've, we've built our whole society around this centralized control. Right. That's the problem. And how much uh, is media at fault? Almost 100%. <laughs> well, I, is media and government, are, are they just um, that unholy alliance that... Well, we together know, is a problem. It used to be the fourth estate. It well, because way back that was the only way to get the message to the people. Right. That is no longer the case. No, not at all. Um, and you know, with the advent of the internet and social media, um, now it's kind of a, a wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. And so you get different things popping up, but the credibility of the icons in the news industry. Um, is almost uh, well, their credibility is less than Congress. <laughs> well, That's and and, and when did that start? And I I kind of see that starting in the advent of the twenty four hour news cycle. Right. Breaking news. C- cable news is what did it. Right. CNN was the problem. They started. Well, when as, you, when you have a twenty four hour news cycle covering a car chase, <laughs> and you're skipping all the other stuff. Where's that glove? I knew it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I think what really has done it, though, is um, trying to tell people that uh, it's sunshine when it's raining mm. or, uh, you know, just or it's raining when just, it's sunshine. Yeah. Just gaslighting people. People really 
they hate it. And they get to the point where, well, you're not telling me, you're telling me something that I know is patently false. Now I don't believe you. And they, it's taken but time. But half of the people do, though. Well, I think the people that they've gotten into that tribalism and, well, as long as my side mm-hmm. is winning, I don't care the method. As long as it works, I don't care if it's accurate or not. If I've got a club, I'm going to use it. Mm-hmm. Is it ethical? I don't care. Mm-hmm. A perfect example. Um, and I'm I'm not going to say if I endorsed or anything, any of these candidates, but I remember when uh, Mitt Romney was running for president and the um, the Senate Majority Leader came out and said that he hadn't paid his taxes in nine years. Well, we learned later on that's just patently untrue, and he was actually asked about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was asked about that, they said, you know, you in essence, you just said something that wasn't true. And, uh, you know, do you take it back? And he goes, it worked, didn't it? <laughs> and that, That's terrible. And that was the end of the interview. Yeah. It was terrible that he said that, mm-hmm. and it was terrible that he did that. But what bothered me the most is that was the end of the interview. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody called him out on it. Yeah. So I I think that you know if you if you're looking for arbiters of truth and justice in the American way, last person I'd be looking at is a reporter. Well, maybe a reporter that is um, a celebrity. What? A celebrity reporter. Oh, <laughs> Hello. Oh, you know how much money they get paid? Right, right, right. They're right. on TV all the time. Right. They are. I mean, you walk about the street and you get, oh, look, it's... Do you know what? 17 names just came to mind, but I won't right. say them. I don't want to dignify them. <laughs> Do you know what I, I learned? Uh, I was taking a political science class, and I learned that they are actually members of the Screen Actors Guild. Did you know that? Who? These uh, reporters that we're not going to name. On national news. Really? Really. Is it because they're on television? Yeah. But they're members of the Screen Actors Guild. Is, is that a union? Yeah. That should tell you everything you Holy need to cow. know. Holy cow. So I, I just, I have a hard time believing them, um, especially when they report on things that I have direct, <laughs> direct knowledge of. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not true. Huh. Um, Sorry. As, as we sit here, uh, I'm watching a live blog of what's going on in D.C. at the moment. Um. This 25 minutes ago at 4.59 p.m. Central Standard Time, a woman shot inside the Capitol has died. Oh, dear. A woman who was shot inside the Capitol has died. Several law enforcement officials confirmed to NBC News Wednesday. Uh, Police earlier confirmed that one person was shot inside the U.S. Capitol building, but officials did not know details regarding the circumstances of the shooting. Sounds like like we still don't know the circumstances. Correct, because I think that would have been... um, there are newer posts, and I don't see anything um, updating that. And and so when they come right out and they say someone was shot, mm-hmm. and there's no context, why is that? Why is that particularly news? Well, it's breaking news. Right. It's not news. It's break. If, if we want to break down society, it's, it's breaking, breaking news. news. <laughs> <laughs> I just in in the rush. To um, to deliver corporate news, um, 
accuracy is sacrificed for speed. And when you are reporting that another news organization reported <laughs> and you didn't fact check anything in, in the true sense of fact checking, I, I think that's just irresponsible. Uh, and, and a good clue for those that are listening and want to know maybe a way to verify um, if something is original reporting or not. If you see near the bottom, usually of an article, mm-hmm. it has an H slash T and then a link. That means it's called a hat tip. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for the info. Right. That means they they jacked that report from someone and they're giving them a that's, nod. That's called legalized plagiarism. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, and, you know, there used to be a time when in the American society and the fabric of our culture, reporters, um, they, they were held in high esteem because they could, they could hold that line and they could speak truth to power, as the, the people like to say today. And there was integrity to it. And, and that was a very important part of American politics. It was a very important part of American life. Do you think there was integrity that was just um, a pseudo because there wasn't social media to out them every moment? I think that there was part of that. But I also because like people hold up JFK as like the bastion of moral integrity <laughs> and the, the, the guy we should all follow him as our father figure. Right. Because he was like he was a horrible person. Well, he was trying to be a father several times <laughs> over. Right. With yes. multiple people. Yes. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, uh, but but as as a human, I mean, it's likely that he might be on par with some local some some current people. Not local. I, that came out wrong. I meant current. For real. Thanks for clarifying. Current. <laughs> um, well, I think that when... And yet he still held, held up as this bastion of, like, moral whatever. Right. But it, when, when people would go to journalism school, if they did, they weren't taught... J school. They weren't taught like they are now. Like, if you go to the Columbia School of Broadcasting or the Columbia Journalism School, and you're going to be a major in that, um, you're taught how to influence society. Mm. I mean, it's... a several courses on how to quote change the world and you know when you when you hear people go well i became a reporter because i want to change the world well didn't you want to just report on it (laughs) if you're changing it and you're reporting on it how accurate is that you know if you want to expose the world that's a different story right and and it used to be that predominantly Mm -hmm. and of course there was certain things you know there was never a perfect media, but it was a lot better. Mm-hmm. It was a lot more accurate when people actually could validate a story, when they had multiple sources, when they confirmed it, mm-hmm. and then they, and and they could actually do this. This is a crazy thought. They could answer the who, what, why, when, and how. And if you read an article today, it would be it's just amazing how many times none of those questions ever get answered. Or if you want some of that data, it's in the seventeenth right. paragraph. Right, they bury it in the in that the, you're uh, never going to get to. Right, and the and the first one or two paragraphs, um, if if that's all you read, is taken so out of context in comparison to that last or mm-hmm. second to the last paragraph, mm-hmm. and it's it's by design, and and that goes in the very face of trying to be an accurate reporter. Right. Um. Masking, and I absolutely despise the term. <laughs> um, 
there now in in the the work you do mm-hmm. there are times <laughs> when you have a patient open on the table you want to keep all of your stuff out of them yep and so you better wear everything you can to cover yourself up yep i get that all day long yeah i'm not talking about when it's uh, a needed thing for for that uh for a job or um, something what i'm concerned about is this forced mask mandate which I, I I'm gonna assume based on the states that have a mandate and don't that still have and the ones that do that still have crazy amounts of positive testing mm-hmm. um that it, it it it's a take it or leave it scenario um I, I'll I'll make that claim he, here's the question I have what have we done to the next generation? Because think, thinking of school children, and I know in the state across the border from us, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Governor Tim Walls, I call him other things on different podcasts, but I won't <laughs> refrain. Um, this is kid-friendly. <laughs> oh, no. No, no no swear words. <laughs> um, he put in place a new uh, back-to-school rules that they could implement, I believe it started this week or next week. Um in order to get first, second, third graders back in school. Now, in Minnesota, and I, I've, of course, I, I, anyway, the Mall of America supposedly is one of the most um, dangerous places to be for um, child abduction, sex trafficking. Um, I've heard that. Minnesota or has get, a problem. Or to get pushed off a balcony. Well, there's that. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yikes. Um, well, Minnesota, it's sex trafficking. Sex trafficking is a problem across the country, but it's a big deal there, and they've they've there are people working on it, trying to figure it out and stop it. Well, the thing I see because what the the rule that I saw to get the kids back in school, and this is for one first, second, third graders, because it's important they get back in school. This is according to the governor. The staff is required to wear face masks and shields, masks and face shields, always. So what I think, as the outside-of-the-box thinker that I try to be, what did they just do? And I think two things, and I don't think anyone's thought about it, or else they would have just panicked out of their mind. They, they first off, have taught that generation of children, the people you're supposed to trust and obey and, or, and, and follow, you won't be able to identify their face. You just have to obey them because they're they're the authority. Mm-hmm. They have the face mask and the shield. The other thing it did is it gave every possible creep the perfect opportunity, and I hate it. To to um, like th- the way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like here's how you make the bomb. They just did it. Yeah. I, I, and that that is an unintended consequence that I am confident no one thought about. Well, I'm I'm fairly confident that nobody has factored that in in making that decision. Um, and you know the it's 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 really difficult to watch kids not be able to go to school mm-hmm. because. Um, you know they they they're not able to socialize they're not able to uh do all the things that we got to do 
as kids, um, but they're also taught this kind of dystopian fear. Yeah. And um, and that's a, to me that's a problem because um, fear is never the right thing, ever. Healthy respect, grave concern, <laughs> those are all acceptable. But you never act properly. You never act act intelligently when you operate from a basis of when your amygdala is swollen yeah (laughs) right (laughs) exactly (laughs) so uh you know teaching kids to fear and actually saying it you know you should be scared of this no we should be intelligent about this and we should be cautious Mm -hmm. but not operate from a uh, basis of fear and i think some of the decisions made especially early on were uh, made out of fear and some of them have just carried forward. Um, I, I do think the kids need to be back to school. And uh, the data bears that out. You know, the transmission rates, um, the risk of kids catching it, um, hospitalization rates. I don't think that the data supports, you know, what we've done to the kids. Right. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I noticed and I saw this firsthand and it really kind of took me back because I, I'm, I, uh, work with a guy in Minnesota. Um, and we were in a school, uh, for a couple hours one day in Minnesota in in a town there. And, um, I was set up to do the work we were doing in, um, their lunchroom. And then he was in the gym. And so we were there, um, through I think we were there through one of their lunch segments and it was really unfortunate because all these little kids and this is again elementary first second third grade walking through in a, in a tight line not tight but you know a straight line six feet apart and they all were being constantly corrected about how far apart they were mm-hmm. these are little kids yeah they're fully masked up they're walking in line mm-hmm. to get their food then they could go to every other chair and sit down, and then they were allowed to take their face covering off and eat. They had to be quiet. They couldn't make noise. And then when they were done, they had to put it back on and get back in line and wander back out in the single-file line. Right. And that I thought, ma, drones, what are we creating? Yeah. And then I went to the other, the gym, and we were talking over there because we were shut down my station and we moved to that one. And on the other side of the gym, they had a partition up. So it was a full wall. Well, you could hear their gym class or whatever. And I was amazed at how much conversation from the teacher to the children was all yelling at them for not being six feet apart. So they spent, I was there probably 10 minutes, that much time being chastised for being too, that's not six feet, back up, you guys need to separate, that's not six feet. What is that doing to the next society, the next generation? Right. All of a sudden we have to be backed up we can't have any kind of physical interaction we are humans mm-hmm. we are a, a social being right what in the world repercussion is that going to have i don't know we're going to find out I, I think that's one of those ripples that we talked about um i am i'm constantly trying to to rethink or at least uh, revisit why are we doing this mm-hmm. and you know, we have to remind ourselves individually and as a society, the the reason we were doing this is to bide some time until we can reach herd immunity. 
You know, we well, heard, that's not what we were told first. I know. At first, we were told we don't want to overwhelm the hospital right, system. Right. Well, and then that didn't happen. So then we had to come up with something else. <laughs> it's, what it I mean, seems, it's what it seems like from the outside. That's what it sure. feels like. But ultimately, um, that was the end goal, uh, playing the long game. You know, that's why we started the vaccine program, you know, Operation Warp Speed. And the whole thing is, well, let's get to the point where this virus just can't keep reproducing because it's run out of vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the initial lockdown was so that um, we didn't overwhelm the healthcare system. Well, the lockdowns have not worked because we did overwhelm parts of the healthcare system. And um, so I just think, is is what we're doing, is it working? I know that there's the company line, but is there a more intelligent way we can do this? Mm. Because um, it is a real virus. It, it really does make people sick. I can't tell you how many death certificates I've had to sign that truly were because somebody had COVID-19. And it sickens me that we didn't have, you know, I didn't have the same arsenal or the same knowledge or the same way to prevent things like um, measles or mumps or rubella or um, pneumonia or any of the other things that happen that we deal with on a fairly regular basis. Um, it's it's really disheartening to, to think I've done everything I can think of. I have nothing left to give this patient, and now I have to go tell their family. And, and now I have to pronounce them and sign the death certificate. It is awful. And I think that's part of the stress and the, I don't know, that's where a lot of the physicians and nurses were coming from when they were saying, please listen to us, and insisting that people stay home and mask up and everything, because please do something, because we can't take this anymore. But you always have to keep asking yourself, well, is it working? And is there a better way to do this? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what where we lost our way. And You're stuck on one thing and just quit quit evaluating? Um, we got more concerned about uh, messaging and less concerned about does it make sense. Mm. I think I, that's just my perspective. Um, but I, I do also see a lot of innovation that's happened and, and is still happening which gives me some hope. Hmm. So, I don't know. It just makes me sad that, um, you know, January 6th, it should have been a nothing day. Right. And here we are, uh, people overrunning the Capitol. And, dying, apparently. And, and dying. You know, somebody lost their, mm-hmm. I'm assuming a mother and a wife and a sister, and that's, that's tragic. Hmm. Um, whatever the cause behind it, somebody died yeah. because- our politics got so bad. And I think there's a lot of blame to go around. And Yeah, it's kind of a blanket blame, I think. Yeah. I, I, I certainly don't think it lies with one one person or one certainly, party, not by not. any means. No, um, I, but I do think certain philosophies are behind it. And it's that philosophy that um, I am a special group, therefore I get special privileges, um, or you're a group, and therefore you are less of a citizen. Hmm. And 
and I think that's really um, the heart of the matter. That's where you can get to that dehumanizing other people. You know, th- th- those Capitol Guards, those are people. Yeah. Those people that are there with their protest signs, those are real people. And when we, uh, when we develop the ability to see somebody as less than human, then mm-hmm. we do less than human things to each other. Well, that was a downer. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this. Uh, even though we've gone through 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021 hasn't started out all that great, <laughs> um, hope springs eternal. It does. And things work out. Mm-hmm. And there's really no reason to um, to wallow in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that if you just look at the good things, uh, they always outweigh the bad. Yeah. It's just that old quote, and I don't think uh, it's properly attributed, but if you look for the good or you look for the bad, you'll surely find it. <laughs> so which one are you looking for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, let's uh, wrap up with UFOs. Okay. Bring it on. <laughs> this is updated today. <laughs> okay. This is usatoday.com. Okay. And I know you have a, a backgrounder in the, 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 the military, so. Okay. Um, for what it's worth, I don't know. Um, a glowing blue UFO spotted in the Hawaiian sky. Okay. Apparently last week on the 29th um, at roughly 8.30 p.m., eyewitnesses on the Hawaiian island of Oahu spotted a UFO in the night sky, prompting several 911 calls, travel plus leisure, recently reported. Um. <laughs> are ufos now uh, okay in the sense of alien now ufos just add lots of things ufos right. unidentified flying object yep i've by, seen lots of those by definition but, right. you don't know what it is <laughs> exactly it's a ufo yep. uh, but is there <laughs> is this a distraction <laughs> is this just silly more reason to not have breaking news oh is this the wag time? the dog well, i don't know i don't know well I do know this. Are there lizard people? (laughs) (laughs) None that I'm aware of. Did you ever run into them in your excursions around the world? In none of my Illuminati meetings did I ever come across. Bohemian Grove. (laughs) Right. Uh, I think that there, uh, this is, and actually, actually this is very related to what we're talking about. (laughs) Because you have something that's an unknown entity Mm -hmm. and it creates fear. Oh, yeah. And then with that fear, there comes theories behind its meaning. What does this mean? And there's uh, almost always a reaction of there's got to be some malevolence there. It's a conspiracy or they're aliens or something. Rather than, okay, let's look at Occam's razor. Let's use the scientific method. Let's figure out what is that and what is the most likely explanation as opposed to the most far-fetched. Like, Maybe they're one and the same. <laughs> they could be, but uh, <laughs> the example I use in medicine, if you hear hoofbeats, you think horses because they're the most likely. But if you automatically go to fanciful unicorns, uh, you may be right once in your life, but all the other times you're just flat wrong and crazy. So... Uh, <laughs> when people say, or you've taken too much DMT, uh, right. uh, when people say uh, there was an unidentified flying object in the sky, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Hey, I saw something. What is it? 
but to assume it's uh, alien extraterrestrial, <laughs> right? Uh, what's more likely? And I, you know, given uh, the location, um, a missile test is far more likely than an alien. Or, <laughs> you know, the, you've clearly not been to New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, actually went to Roswell, uh, like the and, town. Yeah, I wanted to go through there last it's, year, and I didn't have. It's the a chance. whole cottage industry. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and they don't believe a word of it, but boy, they it makes they, the money. They promote it like crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's uh, you know, it's the it's the nature of humanity um, to fear what you don't understand, and then try to assemble some logical pattern of why it exists and why it threatens you. Hmm. And the, yeah, the theories that are coming up with, um, if you look at them, they're not all that original. It's kind of a repeating theme of, you know, it's either an external force or a conspiracy of an internal force um, by either a government or some organization that's a shadow organization. And it very rarely deviates from that pattern you mean we're not living in the truman show (laughs) that one's actually original thought and i appreciate that but all the others are just kind of remade don't go over there you'll run into the wall (laughs) right the simulation is up right yeah well paul this has been a blast yeah it's good talking (laughs) with you uh we're crazy um we do of course hope that we don't have any bloodshed or anything crazy um in D.C. Well, and I, I hope that that um, all Americans and, and people around the world take a step back and reevaluate. How did we get here? How did we get here? Yep. And what can we do to make the world a better place? How do we treat people better? How do we um, live the ideals that we say we believe in? Well, and that really starts locally, too. Yep. In our own house, our own lives, and yep. in our own communities. Completely agree. And so if we can do that here... Let's do it. Yep. And then hopefully it'll spread like wildfire. Amen, brother. Not like a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) That was terrible. I apologize. That was awful. This is the interview podcast. (laughs) It's 2021, and uh, we're starting off with a bang. (laughs) Why not? I love it. Thanks, Paul, for coming in. I appreciate it. Thanks, Craig. It's always fun. Um, We should do this again. Or more often. How about that? (laughs) Maybe. There we go. (laughs) Have a great day. Thanks for listening, everyone. Whymillblink.com is the website. Whymillblink at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, uh, you want to come tell your story, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Just let us know. And have a wonderful New Year. Stay healthy. uh, And check up on your friends and loved ones. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one.